0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7-10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello world, I'm back! Oh, I hate saying that. I'm actually back at home and this time, as you can hear from the quality of my voice, I have my microphone, I have my headphones, I'm not struggling with someone's really strange internet connection. We should all be normal. Well, as normal as this show is ever going to get. And what a way to come back because last week we had the amazing Kelly Gumont. That was three hours of yeah (laughs) Uh, so Kelly if you are listening it was amazing having you are and we are going to follow up with that because believe it or not before I just literally set Kelly off in on her way we did actually have some show notes and some other stuff to talk about so we're going to catch up with her again very shortly but this week we're joined by another guest um, Oliver Breedenbach of Boink Software makers of cool photo video software for Mac, iPhone, iPad and iPod touch to talk about well Boinks obviously and and all this rest of the stuff that we've come across this week. Oliver, thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing on this lovely Sunday afternoon?
0: I'm doing fine, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to the show. It's um, going to be a blast. Yeah, no problem. Um,
1: we always like to do this with our guests because we're typically British. So what's the weather like in Munich?
0: Um, I'm actually uh, right now in Salzburg in Austria. And um, the weather is uh, British.
1: <laughs> yeah, dull, grey, miserable. Now, we can't have someone from Germany on the show who goes oh. to Oktoberfest, who can settle once in for all. What is the name of the vessel that they serve your amazing beer from at the Oktoberfest? Is it a mass or is it a stein?
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> mass is actually the, the amount of beer that goes into it. Yeah. And and the Stein is the is type of glass they use. So
1: damn it, you've just lost me a year long arguments I've been having with people. <laughs> well, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Cheerio, everyone. <laughs> I no, I refuse to give up on this. I went when I go to the Oktoberfest, I will do some live recording there and ask random Germans um, for anyone <laughs> who. Who doesn't know what Oktoberfest is? So actually,
0: mean... actually, you order a mass. So so you don't say I order a stein of beer. Um, so it's de- it it depends on um, the context actually. So
1: so technically, yeah. I'm still right.
0: Yeah, dep- it uh... dep- dep- depends. on if you, if you if you want to order one, you you order a mass. So that's.
1: Um, or is it uh, ein beer bitte? Is that right?
0: A mass bitte. Oh, mass bitte. <laughs> yeah. And VWS uh,
1: there's Toiletten, which is always handy for... Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, let's not get into that.
2: Well, it's the two things you
0: ugly know. at the Oktoberfest, I can tell you that.
1: For anyone who's never been to Oktoberfest, imagine...
0: Like a half a million people...
1: <laughs>
3: drinking a lot of beer.
1: Drinking a lot of
0: beer. That has to go somewhere.
3: Yes. Let's, let's
0: keep it at that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably enough. Yeah,
1: never fails to just strike me. Like, how many people are getting so? I wouldn't say absolutely blinding drunk, but for the amount of people there versus the amount of hassle and uh, you know misbehaving that goes on, it's, it just blows my mind. It really, really does. Um, I mean, what is it now in the tents? They hold about twelve thousand people per tent, and they'll do about two sittings a day for two weeks, and that's. Like an average.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Friend of mine is actually managing a tent. So uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's very happy when so many people come.
1: Oh, what tent is he managing? Do you want to give a quick shout uh, The
0: Hofbräu tent. Hof, tent? Uh, tent so. Oh, the
1: Hofbräu tent. Yeah, that's so. one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Oh. It, it has the best music. That's for sure.
1: There's a, there was one of the tents I went to a year or so ago, and it had the lead singer from uh, ACDC doing a load of his tracks with the German Umpa band. and it's just one of those moments where you sit back and go there's the lead singer of acdc and the german band are getting into it as well it's just absolutely amazing to watch Um, yeah but we can't just talk about beer all day even though now i'm just sort of looking over at the fridge and going when can i get a guest to talk so i can go and get one (laughs) um so, yeah, so Boink Software, tell us yes. all about that. What made you, so when did it start? What made you start it? And I suppose we're going to ask, really, why develop for the Mac over Windows?
0: Well, uh, we go we go way back with Apple, uh, back to 1976, actually. So uh, a lot of... Um, tradition, basically, we started Boeing's uh, software in the mid nineties or so ninety six so was the year I think we registered the domain name and um, we 've always been Mac guys, so there's basically never been a question uh, whether we should uh, do mac software or not um, and um, in the beginning, uh, we shipped the first product in two thousand and one I think, and back then it was uh, really much easier to reach the audience through um, the internet uh, than it was uh, with you know with windows where uh, you basically uh, didn't have good channels to enthusiastic people who had a lot of money to spend on your software um, so that was the rationale um, behind um, being a mac and apple only shop and uh, basically it has stayed that way the it's it's a lot nicer to make apps for the mac or iphone or ios it's easier it's um there's much richer Functionality in the operating system—you don't have to deal with uh, so many different versions that you have to support—and it's it's overall, I think, it's pretty well engineered, and so it's fun to do. So that's that.
3: Of course, certainly back in the nineties, as as I recall, Oliver. For example, my brother had a MIDI keyboard. Mm-hmm. I think we had at the time something like uh, two CXs, or maybe a, a Power Mac forty-one hundred, something like that, and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Mac just supported that. He bought a, a plug-in box, and and you away you went. And yeah. to do the equivalent to do the equivalent on Windows at the time was a long, convoluted, and difficult journey. So um, the Mac, I know, and also uh, at the time the Amiga were were very much the darlings of the sound industry.
0: So yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I can imagine at the start certainly it made a lot of sense, and then like so many things. There's a certain amount of inertia, isn't there? And a certain amount of commitment. So that you just follow on, really.
0: Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think still the Mac um, is, is the best platform for creative apps. So like, uh, for example, Nemo Live, um, which is our um, live video uh, production application that um, weighs in. The download is only 30 megabytes. And um, that gives you a, a, a rich functionality beyond your wildest dreams, and um, that's that. I think that is a testimony to the functionality that um, macOS provides for uh, creative applications. The things that just come in the box are amazing. Oh yes, yeah. so, I mean,
1: yeah. the, There is a there has been such a monumental shift now, isn't there, into the world of Twitch and YouTube streaming. Did you see? Did you ever predict that streaming to YouTube and Twitch and Microsoft, whatever that one's called, would become so popular when you first started out with your app?
0: Well, interestingly, uh, we did our first live stream in 1999. Uh, basically, we, we were always, you know, we 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 saw it coming uh, back then. Even um, it, it was fascinating to do, and and also like it it you know it was fascinating that we could do it um you know of course a tv production company can do a tv show but it's sort of a different thing if you can do it in your in your living room uh with with relatively cheap hardware and i think um it's it's just amazing that you can do that now and and certainly youtube uh, providing a platform uh for basically free distribution has um, you know enabled this to become a serious thing um and all the other platforms of course i mean once um once you once you see the point (laughs) a lot of people think uh, they they want to get into the game and i mean uh uh, the whole let's play thing uh with with uh, people watching hours and hours and hours of other people playing games um it's kind of It's kind of crazy, but it's also very, very cool. Um, Certainly, that's something we cherish very much.
1: No, I've just had a look here, and so one one of my things I always look out for is when looking at a WWDC event is all the little features that Apple sort of bring to the fold, like Metal and Replay Kit. Now, there's only been one or two games I've found that uses Replay Kit, but just having a look here on your website, you've got Mimo Live Replor- uh, Reporter, which uses Replay Kit. Can you tell us a little bit about that software? Cause, and this is purely me being selfish now, because I am going into the world of Twitch and YouTube streaming. So what is Mimo Live Reporter, and how does it work with Replay Kit?
0: So Mimo Live Reporter is an iOS app it's for the iPhone and iPad, uh, basically. Um, a live streaming app. We developed this because um, we do have Mimo Live on the Mac and we have something called Mimo Call and that's sort of like Skype but much easier so it lets you bring in people over the internet into your live video stream. So you can have interviews or panel discussions or whatever you have. And with, without the hassle of, um, of Skype. Uh, but uh, the technology we're using doesn't run on um, iPhones. So we had to develop our own app for the iPhone. And um, uh, we, we started doing that. And then a lot of ideas came up. And we thought maybe we should just uh, also... Let the app do live streaming directly to the platform, so you don't need to have the Mac there. You can just use your iPhone and stream to YouTube Twitch and other rtmp based systems and spice up your broadcast with you know lower thirds text and um uh, b roll and 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 stuff like that and uh, one of the engineers said hey wouldn't wouldn't it be you know cool um to to put in a broadcast extension because um, there are actually not that many apps uh, that provide such a functionality, and th- what that does is it allows you to use uh, another iOS app. Some, some there's more apps that you would think um, supporting that. Some games, um, some creative apps like Procreate uh, that allow you to actually um, stream. Like a screencast from the app, that so you can do let's Play, or so you can do uh, tutorials. Um, in in case of uh, Procreate, you could do like uh, how do I draw tutorials uh, live to basically any streaming platform if you had a broadcast extension. And uh, since there weren't that many apps out there, we decided to add it to the Moomoo Life Reporter. Uh, so, yeah, now you now you can if if the other ios app supports it uh, currently that's um, that's a requirement you can just go into the app and start streaming and use mimo reporter to actually do the encoding and streaming and you set up the streaming destinations in mimo Life reporter so you say i want to stream to my youtube account and then you go into procreate for example and say start start a broadcast and you select Mimo Life Reporter as your broadcast extension, and then it can stream to you the YouTube account you set up in Mimo Life Reporter. And this is, I think, right now um, iOS requires that the other app support this as a you know a feature. Uh, but in iOS 11, I've heard uh, that it may be possible to use it without the support of the uh, of the host app. So um, I think in iOS 11 we might be able. Uh, I haven't checked it yet, but we, we're certainly looking into. That might be able to just stream any app which um you know would allow you to stream any game or any creative app or any like you know one of the one one of my favorite things would be streaming uh, swift playgrounds um swift playgrounds swift is um, a cool development environment basically to learn how to program and um i think it makes total sense for someone who knows what he's doing to or she's doing to stream their session in Swift Playgrounds out to the world and let everybody watch what they're doing and learn uh, how to program, basically. So uh, that's that's a neat functionality, and I hope that iOS 11 allows us to take it even further than it is now.
1: Uh, it's going to be something that now I know. <laughs> It's quite shocking. I've only just sort of found out about it now because I've been working with uh, Mimo Live and I've been uh, playing with the, the demo version. And there's a little bit of a learning curve, but once you sort of get yourself into the mindset of it's actually like a production deck, it really does feel very logical and very flowing. No, so Mimo Live is a uh, is a subscription based programme, which is a poultry ninety nine cents a month. Or you can buy it nine ninety nine sorry, nine dollars ninety yeah, a year. Yes. Yeah. No, you if am i right in thinking and apologies if i've got this wrong that it used to be used to be a, a typical software vendor where you would pay once and that was it and then you shifted over to a subscription or have you always been subscription <laughs>
0: uh, subscriptions are all um, are just around uh, for not very long time yet um so far so now we we started out with the traditional uh, when we started out the traditional uh, model was still very workable um so you had a release of uh, 1.0 release of an application it would sell very very nicely and then after a year or uh, after a year and a half you would do an update and you would charge the users an upgrade fee that already paid and the new uh, customers would have to pay the full price and you would sort of um, keep this going every 12 to 18 months um you would try to do a paid upgrade and um uh, basically, what most people ended up doing was sort of having a subscription anyway, because they would buy every update, and that that's what what keep what kept software developers going. And then Apple came around with the App Store and changed the game um, insofar as uh, you could you couldn't charge updates on for updates on the App Store. So basically, it was um, you know. Uh, sell sell the app once to every customer and then never getting any more um revenue from them and The second thing that happened was that uh apple also or uh, what the app store did i don't know who who should be <laughs> who should I call responsible for that, but what it did was that it had sort of an in a built in uh, spiral a downward spiral for the prices. So uh, on the iPhone, for example, you ended up with apps that cost just $1 and and that was basically everything and all the money you would ever get from one customer, which is uh, not sustainable. And um, so after a couple of years uh, where we developers had to talk to Apple all the time and uh, tell them how uh, this is not working, they decided to introduce uh, subscriptions uh, to the App Store. And basically the push is to change all the business models to subscriptions because otherwise you can't you know subs- you, you can't make a living developing apps on the app store uh, because $1 is just cheap and uh, people uh you know not not ever paying for upgrades is um is like you you would go and buy a car and get re- free free uh, refills gas yeah um <laughs> indefinitely that that doesn't you know that doesn't work it just doesn't
3: work does it it just doesn't work i was Mm -hmm. looking so for example the me i've always been of the opinion that some things work as a subscription and some things don't Mm -hmm. but for example uh your memo live on the mac works out here a personal i see a personal or education uh subscription is 15 pounds a month which i think that's pretty reasonable for what it offers and then if you want the it's, premium. It's
0: much too cheap.
3: <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is for the, for, for the features that you get there. Uh, yeah, it is yeah. But, incredibly, I, I, incredibly but at the same time, I appreciate that Oliver and his company are, are offering that to... Non-commercial users, yes, for, for that kind of price. Because I've looked at some similar kind of programs, and they tend to come in. I mean, I'll be perfectly fair. Oliver's—they've got uh, a commercial license, use you—you you know, useful for events, for company TV, for churches, universities, etc. And that's fifty-seven a month now for a company. You know, somebody who's who's generating cash. I think that's a perfectly fair amount of money to be paid. Um, mm-hmm. But. Yeah, if you're a non-commercial, then, you know, it has to be something for, for hobbyists can afford. Otherwise, they're not going to buy it at all, are they? So I I think that's, you know, you've got here a one-year subscription for a personal non-commercial use is £160. I think that's very reasonable. So
0: uh, We also offer three years and 10 years um, for oh, yeah, people no. who are like, who, who are, yeah, I prefer to put a one-time payment down and then um you know not being charged every year maybe i don't know if i can afford it next year or whatever um so um we offer we offer sort of like a long-term subscription as well and and if i look at the numbers um you know the interesting thing is that the monthly subscription is mostly personal use um subscriptions and um you know that i can imagine you know uh, companies Companies they just buy their three be year done with it. Yeah. commercial version and be done with it. And um I think it works for me. I mean a
3: three year know. commercial subscription is one thousand one hundred and forty nine pounds UK. A one year subscription is five sixty nine.
2: Um, yeah, and you know, for a
3: company, that's that's small yes. change, really, isn't it? That's that's very cheap.
0: Yeah, I think I think we have to do something <laughs> about that. And maybe raise but, the price.
3: <laughs> yeah, so get it now before they uh, before they start jacking up the prices. Yeah, I was going to say I can understand the main monthly subscribers are going to be hobbyists.
0: We have a lot of customers actually using it, uh, you know, paying in that way. Um, uh, for example, some schools. Uh, they don't pay in the uh during the breaks and stuff like that you know whatever works i mean uh, that's 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 what we want to provide we want to provide an application that everybody can afford you know at least as many po- people as possible and um uh, and and whatever works for them you know
3: there's a lot to be said, really, if you if you like, for engaging the hobbyists because, like with so many things, like being the computer of choice in the classroom or the software of choice in the classroom, or with hobbyists, that is the stuff which often gets mindshare, isn't it? I mean, you've only got to look at Rogue Amoeba, uh, which in the podcasting world, Rogue Amoeba have you know they've got pretty much the whole market audio hijack and loopback and uh, i mean when you come to post-production when it comes to post-production you've got a huge selection from you know very basic tools to full out adobe audition or whatever but the for most podcasters the two tools that they first put in their basket is loopback and audio hijack so the fact that rogue amoeba sell those relatively cheaply means that they you know, they've captured pretty much the whole podcasting section.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, so, um, all of Oliver, was there, did you have, when you went from the one time price to your subscription, did you get any resistance from customers or did they, were, did they, were they mainly understanding of what, you know, what it was you were trying to do and why you did it?
0: Well, um, we did, of course, um, get some negative comments. I think uh, that's to be expected. Um, but in the end, most of them were like, you know, for some reason, I can't do a a, a subscription. I'm sorry to uh, have to go to a different product. You know, so so it wasn't like you know you are the evil you're the evil uh, greedy bunch. Uh, it's more like you know it doesn't work for me, and and I, I can sort of I can relate. And uh, subscriptions certainly do- doesn't you know don't work for everybody. I can I can understand that. However, uh, there's it's basically not a question of squeezing ever more money out of uh, our customers it, for us it's a question of uh, you know survival like we need to, we have ongoing bills and we need to cover those and um we want to uh, be able to ship new ideas we have as soon as possible we don't want to re- uh, um, we don't want to have to rely on just new customers which are very expensive to uh, acquire uh, to to make a living, and um, and we want to be able to ship new ideas, new features as soon as possible. Not keeping, you know, uh, uh, holding them up until next year. We can, when we can do a new release. I mean, uh, the uh, in, especially in the live uh, streaming world, um, everything moves so fast that. If we would have to hold up major new features until next year, we would miss out—you know—certainly miss out some some opportunities, uh, and yeah. our customers would, um, you know, not be happy. I'm-
3: and, of course I, I will I will just point out that not all of your products are subscription are they for example photo magico or
0: yeah but yeah of, of course um, photo magico is a, is a very uh, good good example um, where um, I think that the customers are totally different uh, from from um, uh, from Memo life. Memo life I think the customers are mostly people or more people who are using it more regularly photo magico is sort of a tool in your toolbox that you take out whenever you need it you don't typically people don't use it every day or every week they use it when they need it and um a monthly subscription to manage that and you know you you mentioned that you would have to you know you wouldn't uh, use it and in, in, you wouldn't pay for it in the months that you don't use it uh if you do that excessively uh so exactly it, it's a lot of pain to manage it you know you have to go in you know you have to go in and cancel the subscription then you have to re- and 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 back and forth and and that is just a pain in the ass. So I understand if people say, you know, just give yeah. me like one time key and, and I I, I can yeah. use it whenever I need it. And yeah. but 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 Photomagico is also uh, a good example of how the economics work against us there, <laughs> because right now um, uh, the major push uh, is to develop Photomagico six, and that's basically a rewrite of Photomagico. Yeah. Uh, completely um redevelop that so that we can be ready for the future with uh, new um technology new platforms and new um uh new features and um that's kind of It'll take until you know probably mid next year before we we're ready with it and uh during all that time now we have the classical sales curve, which is you know in the beginning when you when you ship a new version there's a a big spike and it's then it gradually um yeah so um so now it's a, it's like a drought for us um and we have to um make it through until um until we we we're ready with the next uh, uh, release and uh, you know with a subscription uh we could we could still have uh something that covers our cost and then um you know straighten that curve out a little bit so i th- I think it makes more sense for both you know the customers and the and the company and the company, but I also can see the uh the the arguments against it where people say you know I have twenty five apps and so I have now twenty five subscriptions going on and um that is kind of a pain in the ass. Um, so maybe you know, there's this uh, company, and uh, I don't know yep, where they're from. Yep. They're called Setup. Um, I don't know if you've heard yeah, about that.
1: they do that massive subscription bundle. Don't don't they? Wear, like yeah, so your,
0: so yeah. you pay one subscription and then basically use all the you can use all the apps that are in their um, in their basket, and uh, maybe that is kind of the solution for that. Is more like uh <laughs> like Spotify, or so, where you just you you, you don't pay like cents for every uh, track you play, but you pay one subscription a month, and then you can use whatever you know is is in the uh, in the big um, uh, is is in in the library, right? Um, you know we, we I, th- I think we're not we, we haven't found um and the market i think hasn't found the ultimate solution and i think it's going to be uh it's going to be evolving and changing uh, I said this, going forward
3: I, I think it was when i was talking to scott wilsey the other week and and we kind of agreed that at the moment the market's in flux you know some some things work as subscriptions some things don't there's always fashions swing one way and the other and and eventually it will settle down into kind of uh, ecosphere where everybody is at least reasonably happy that the developers can get a fair remuneration and a decent income stream and the customers don't feel that they're being stiffed
1: on on the side of development i how are you have you switched over to swift yet do you do anything with swift because i always find it it's a question i've always wanted to ask a dev what is it like <laughs> move over to that have you what's been your all experience right
0: uh, well? uh, so mimo Life reporter is actually uh written completely in swift it's, i think it's our first product where we have uh swift completely in swift swift is um not ready i mean it's not it's still it's still a very young language um it it still needs to mature a little bit it's not perfect but uh it's it it shows great potential and um and engineering is you know the engineers are very um they like it so i think i think it has a future and also apple is playing a, a nice long game uh with with swift playgrounds where they bring swift development um down to basically the schools uh and 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 kids learn to program in swift in the school and they start out with uh, very um uh, manageable and easy tasks and uh they can they can work up their way to professional applications um i mean this is like a brilliant brilliant way to um educate engineers for the future and um that, that's kind of uh <laughs> That's also interesting because uh, Apple is certainly going to have a lot of apps uh, being developed in, in a couple of years uh, by, you know, 16 to 18-year-olds who don't have to make money out of that. And that's kind of the, the the other side of the coin is that there will be a lot of brilliant engineers who will put out apps absolutely for free because they, they get fed by their parents and uh, don't have to pay rent. and. Uh, <laughs> and that's good for Apple, of course um i don't know if it's so good for um independent software developers uh if if you have uh, if you have a, a competitor who doesn't have to make a living out of the work but nevertheless i mean i th- i think it's important for humankind to have a lot of people understand how uh, engineer you know how software development works and um to Not have a disconnect between what they learn at school and what they can use uh, in the marketplace uh, later on to create professional commercial applications uh, is, I think, a a big, uh, big change, um, game changer in the schools. And uh, there's nothing. I think uh, that prevents commercial application developers from using Swift for commercial apps. And certainly, Life Reporter is uh, one of the examples that shows that, uh, uh, you know, Swift is up to the task.
1: There was also the flip side of having all these bedroom developers is that you can see that basically there'll be the attention deficit disorder that, you know, they've released the program that's it and it will be abandoned. So do you think that Apple by doing what they've done now to say, if your app hasn't been updated in such a long period of time, or if uh, a new version of iOS comes out and you don't update to support that iOS, your app will be gone. What's your thought on this sort of mass culling, I suppose is what I'm asking. Um, um,
0: I think, I think it's good that they weed out um, the stuff from the app store. Um, I I don't think it will work um to f- try to force people to update um it it will only work um to create a marketplace that can feed um, the independent developers who do the work um I think Apple needs to realize that and I think they need to focus much more on that um they always uh, you know they they throw they throw out uh, huge numbers at every you know keynote with like 75 billion paid out to developers but if you divide that number through the number yeah. of apps that are on the store and the number of months they are on the store, then you come down to like 200 mo- 200 bucks a month per developer, which is not something that's going to feed you. And also, I think they Apple makes probably, so there's 2 million, something like that, uh, registered developers. Uh, every one of them has to have a Mac Pro. A MacBook Pro. I mean, Uh, every one of those has to have an iPhone and an iPad. So if you um, take that number, uh, every one of those um, two million people paid probably paid Apple something between a thousand, two thousand, maybe three thousand dollars. So uh, subtract that from seventy-five billion. (laughs) There's also it's also. You is know, a
1: very good point. That it, is a... Apple
0: makes more money off the developers, as, as you know, than they, than it makes for the developers, and that's something they have to realize, and they have to um, maybe change their attitude towards. Because I think. It's on the in the long run, it's not going to work.
1: And I, uh, I take it you're an uh, avid watcher of the WWDC. If you can think back to this year's WWDC and I realize this is going to be a little bit of a push, what do you think was the most standout feature there, uh, from a developers' point of view?
0: Actually, I think I think this this year's uh, WWDC was uh, a, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if you can call it a turning point. But in the past, uh, you sometimes uh, looked at the keynote and you wondered what the hell the things that were announced in the keynote had to do with developers. Yeah. And uh, this year I had a a slightly different feeling. I think there uh, was a lot of stuff in the keynote that was only interesting to developers. And I mean, you know, they they packaged it so that you know, once iOS 11 comes out, you've got those those new features and stuff like that. But I think uh, it took a turn to the better, and um, we have to see if uh, future future events can. Live up to that promise, but I think uh, there was a lot of good stuff for developers there. Also, also the the, the major, you know, the major things for developers, uh, on my point of view, is probably even not the APIs and uh, new features and the new operating systems. It's it's the features of the ecosystem, and so. They, shortly before the uh, Worldwide Developers Conference, I think a, a day or two or, or three uh, before, they announced uh, changes to the App Store, and um, one of those changes is that you can now uh, respond to um, to reviews uh, as a developer, and I think that's a major. Major thing um, for for independent developers because now a lot of the re- reviews in the App Store used to be um, uh, you know just tech support questions basically uh, disguised yeah. as, as you know people were like I can't get this to work it sucks one star and now you can go in and say you know please contact I mean you can't you can't engage in a real conversation yet but. You can go in and say, you know, please, this is a technical problem. Please contact our tech support. Uh, We will help you figure it out. And that takes, I think, a lot of those negative reviews off your hands and helps you really uh, get a clean clean record
1: it's always i think it's always going to be a problem that's never going to be solved because people will yeah for them to have to click on contact us and then fill out an email it's just going to be oh my god so much hard work instead of like oh there, there's my phone in my hand uh i can uh, just leave something negative in yeah, half the reviews that say doesn't work, just really, really don't help. And it just, it really, it must suck being a developer to go, but tell us something, help, help us make this program work for you. And you just don't get that chance. But that's hopefully um, all going to be changing. Um, blimey, that's uh, that's taking a bit of a chunk out of the podcast. We always and I always <laughs> like to ask one final question to all of our guests. In your world of Apple-based equipment, what is your oldest and newest bit of Mac equipment?
0: Well, <laughs> so my oldest Mac equipment is actually not Mac equipment. It's an Apple One. Uh, so, oh wow, uh, that, that's uh, basically as old as it gets in uh, in Apple terms. And the newest, yeah. equi- the news, the latest equipment is a, a MacBook Pro from 2017, uh, which uh, we got actually as a re- replacement from Apple Service, which was nice. So, um, yeah, yeah,
1: it's the Apple customer service sometimes borders on the fantastically amazing, brilliant, <laughs> yes. or it just absolutely sucks. Well, it is, it,
0: I, I'm always amazed if I go into an Apple store and you sit at the Genius Bar for like 10 minutes, the amount of abuse people have to take theirs. Yeah. I mean, the, the Apple people, right? No, Not the customs. The customs coming in and they just dump everything from their personal problems with their relationship problems they dump everything on the on the pure folks there, poor, uh, poor folks there yep. and um, <laughs> I think it's a lost opportunity for Apple to have <laughs> yeah. the genius by actually serve liquor I think this one's come um, up
3: before hasn't it uh, Mark if they had a bar next yeah, door so they...
0: like they could have made a real bar and then people could come and get drunk and like
3: perhaps they should, as well as having some you know Mac genius perhaps they should have relationship geniuses and um, you know counselling geniuses also available
0: (laughs) yeah i think i think uh, a lot of the um a lot of the uh uh, education or the uh, training for those people goes into managing conversations with upset people um i they you know the the apple geniuses that work there um I'm, i'm amazed at how they handle this i mean it's like it's it's really hard sometimes when I listen to one of the uh, conversations, it's really hard to stay calm and and not take it personally. And, and I, th- I think there's a lot of training going on there. I, I, at least I hope, because yeah. um, the I mean, poor bastards. there's the old
3: <laughs> in it. The old, the old uh, catchphrase is that to be a professional barman, serving drinks is the least important thing you do. Uh, but most professional barmen say that they spend half of their time basically doing personal, <laughs> you know, personal counselling, and, and
1: never ever to go. Oh, because the problem with Oktoberfest is that it used to be in and around the same time as when Apple would release something. And it's like, right, it's October 1st, I'm in Germany, I'm gonna take advantage or try to take advantage of the Euro rates. Yeah, there's absolutely no point going into the <laughs> Apple Store when the fest is on. Absolutely none. Well, you know what? I think what we'll do now, we'll just head over to Nemo's hardware store. This week, Nemo's got a Bluetooth speaker for us. And then we'll be back to talk about some in everything that's going on in the world of Apple. So, John, over to you.
2: Nemo's hardware store has a big ticket audio item for everybody today. Start saving. This one is worth it. The company is called Audio Technica, A U D I O hyphen T E C H N I C A. Product name is the A T H D S R nine B T wireless over-ear headphones with pure digital drive. Cost in the U S is five hundred forty-nine dollars. The cost in the U K is four hundred ninety-nine pounds. These are high-end high quality high price high everything wireless bluetooth headphones they are by far the best sounding headphones you have never heard they are extraordinary they have a long battery life a great sound very comfortable solid build and they work excellently on wireless using bluetooth they come with a special usb micro cable you can plug into your computer and then use your sound system preferences to get a pure digital drive so you can get full digital audio, both computer listening using the included special cable or by wireless Bluetooth listening. Either way, the sound is extraordinary. The bass is smooth and gently eases its way into the mid-range, The mid-range is powerful, accurate, neutral meaning it doesn't mess up any sound that was done at the recording, and then the treble is sweet and crisp and brilliant. I cannot rave enough about the ATH DSR9BT wireless over-ear headphones with pure digital drive from Audio Technica. Please go to the company's site and also to the Amazon site to read about them, read the questions, read the answers read the rave reviews. Here they are right here in front of me. They come in a very solid leatherette case. I unzip the case. Inside there's another little mini case and inside of that is the custom USB cable. Don't lose this cable. I pull out the grayish color of the actual headphones. There's no cable coming out of them. Very very cushy earpieces. Very very solid headband section with nice Comfortable cushioning on your cranium. There's your on-off control. There is your volume up and down. There are your power LEDs to let you know how much power is in the battery. And there's not that much else. Very straightforward, very lean and professional design for audiophiles and everybody else. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a lot of money. So here's what you're going to do. Every time you're thinking about going to have a pint... Are going to pick up one of those froppy banana cinnamon foam lattes just take that five or ten dollars of that five or ten pound note and just drop it into a jar that's easy to put money in but hard to get money out before you know it you'll have four five hundred pounds or dollars in there and you'll be on your way to getting these headphones this is a top priority item put it on your list for your next birthday for christmas For whatever holiday you've got coming up, tell people, this is what you want. I've been using them for three weeks, and I am stunned by how often I go out of my way to find reasons to use them. They are that good. The only alert is if you wear eyeglasses, because it is a full over-ear ear cup. You will need to slightly tip up the temple pieces, the part that go behind your ear of your spectacles, just to make them a little more comfortable. That's the only concern you need to have because I wear eyeglasses a lot of the time. But to tell you the truth, when I listen to music, I often just take the glasses off and just listen to the beautiful sound coming over these headphones from Audio-Technica. Back next week. (coughs)
1: John once again for another Nemo's Hardware Store. You can find more of Nemo's ranting, ravings and rumblings over on mymac.com. Now, whilst we're all enjoying ourselves, uh, hopefully you are anyway, I know we are, in fact I've just cracked open a beer, spare a thought for the people in Nepal, India, Bangladesh, Sierra Leone and of course Texas and anyone else who have been affected by devastating flooding this month. And if you can, please consider making a donation to a reputable disaster relief charity. So our thoughts are with people who are are uh, struggling, shall we, you know, to say the least. Right, let's do a little bit of Apple news and consider we're supposed to be an Apple-based podcast. Well, the date is official and the invites have finally been sent, which means half of the blogging world sphere have got nothing to write about now about when the event will be. September the 12th, Uncle Tim & Co will release what they have up their sleeves. Now, we're not going to dive into that because everyone else is going to... Um, what else have we got here? Hot on, in fact, this is one for you, Oliver. Hot on the hills at the last beta releases, the dev eight and public seven builds went live, promptly followed by dev nine public 8. Now Simon's a massive fan of causing himself as much pain as he can before we start of a podcast by going into the beta builds. Are you a? Uh, do you get the betas onto your devices? Do you run them on live? Or do you uh, are you in a position where you can have lots of devices to run different beta builds on?
0: Well, at some point, um, I actually dive in um, and uh, turn my production systems over to the betas because um you know uh, we we have to be you know, we have to feel the same pain as our customers regarding our own app, so um you know using for example memo Life on the new uh, high Sierra app is something we want to do before they do the final release um, and so I have to. Upgrade my machine, and uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to be doing uh, uh, helping the guys at the Swift Conf in Cologne uh, next week to uh, record the Swift Conference. Swift Conf conference, and after that, I'm going to update my, my my MacBook Pro to 1013 uh, and and see how it goes. Um, my iPhone, I, this year, I, I kept my iPhone on ios 10 uh longer than i would usually have because i i don't have a, a backup <laughs> iphone right now uh, that i could fall back to if if something goes wrong but my ipad is on ios 11 already um since uh, apple released the first beta at the world Developers conference and i think uh, that that served us well because uh with Mimo life reporter we had initially had a, a problem where the video signal from the camera would be garbled, and uh, we catch we we caught that early on, and so now it won't be a problem. When iOS what, I was eleven, ships.
1: What iPad? Rocking just out of interest.
0: Uh, it's a nine point seven inch uh, iPad Pro from last year.
1: I my friend has got the uh, was it the bigger one, the twelve inch, and it was the first time that I used it to watch something on Netflix and listen to stuff on YouTube. And it's like, whoa, those speakers are impressive. I mean, the amount of sound they push out and it's that thing of, yeah, I I really want one. It's just the apps need to be developed to really take advantage of it. Um, But yes, that's for a completely different, uh, completely, completely different time. Now, we were just talking before we came uh, before we came back after Nemo's hardware store about augmented reality uh, and why AR powered glasses might be Apple's next big moneymaker. Yeah, we think we've sort of been down here before with Google Glasses. Do we think that Google got it wrong because it was basically always on and there's no privacy? Could Apple get away with it because they seem to, well, they are passionate about keeping things private, aren't they? They don't like to share any data um, of what you're doing and where you're going with anyone. Do we think that Apple's approach to this, given their their preference for... I do.
3: I, I very much believe that eventually that glasses are going to be the replacement for your mobile phone or at least a serious ad- adjunct to your to your phone because if you're talking about using augmented reality who wants to get gorilla arm by holding their phone in front of their face all the time? It's just, it's just not going to work, is it? Um, I really believe that uh, as this other piece we've we've linked to here, smart glasses will become as popular as mobile phones. Uh, I really think. I'm not quite sure how long it will take, but I'm pretty sure Apple are going to be in the vanguard of of doing this. I really do and I'm not quite sure I mean whether it's going to be glasses whether it's going to be some other piece of technology that we that we use but I I'm very much sure that the age of the smartphone will it will not go away but it will become something which you only really pull out of your pocket when you absolutely have to and that most of it is going to be fed to you via your glasses and I don't mean honking great VR goggles they're going to be something that I think Apple learned a lot from the watch
0: I think think, uh, one of the biggest problems that needs to be solved with uh, those glasses is the actual interaction uh, user interaction so how do you um talk to your glasses basically and uh talk to your glasses is probably the way to go but a lo- lot of people are really reluctant to talk uh in public and and you get all those jokes about uh you know going into a home and and you know calling Alexa <laughs> and uh Hey Google and then mess up people's um settings and stuff like that and and you know you you go you're sitting uh, somewhere with everybody having the glasses, and you just shout, "Hey, glasses, turn off!" And then everybody, everybody <laughs> goes blind uh, at the same time. So there's a, a couple of issues they have to. So of there and, it's bad enough yes. now
3: isn't it in a, in a crowded bar yeah. where you see everybody clicking away on their phone imagine if everybody was yes. talking to their glasses it would be utter cacophony
0: <laughs> uh, it turns out that a touch interface is actually very very immersive and um, it's a very good way to talk to a computer and you know i don't know what the transition or you know my 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 uh my significant other my uh she she talks to her phone all the time and does this and dictation and but she doesn't do commands so it's sort of like she uses the um the phone to you know you know open whatsapp or whatever and then go tap to put the cursor where the text field is and then she she starts telling you know dictating the text and the problem is that you know, the artificial intelligence is not good enough to just deduct what you mean from any, you know, thing you say. Uh, so if you talk to Alexa or to talk to Siri, you have to learn a certain way to talk to them and to make them understand what, what you want. Yeah. And that's kind of a lot of pain, you know, that, that's a lot of work. So for me, with the augmented reality um, goggles or glasses, um uh, th- this is the biggest problem, and I think f- learning from the um, from the Apple Watch, Apple probably realizes that it's it's not going to be huge if you um, if you link the glasses to your iPhone, and um, if if they can't if they can't work um, you know independently, um, and I think that's that's also a requirement for them becoming a huge success.
1: Do you, have you have you got an Apple Watch, or are you just sort of have you resisted going down the Apple
0: watch route? <laughs> no, actually, I I didn't wear a watch for like maybe twenty five years before they came out with the Apple Watch, and then I got one because um, you know, as a as a third party developer, you always have to keep on the lookout for the next big idea, right? So so I I thought maybe if I if I get an Apple Watch and I put it on, maybe maybe someday I will have the Eureka moment, and there will be an idea um, that that you can use, you can do with the watch, and that's the thing everybody wants to have, and that hasn't happened yet. So,
1: well, um, you say that because a couple of weekends ago, when I was uh, doing an event in London, I met up with Mr. Carl Madden from the Mac and Four Show and Dean Murphy, the developer of Crystal, an ad blocking app. And it turns out that after a few beers, I have quite a few ideas. I can't actually remember if any of them were any good. I'm sure, I'm sure in my head, they were all genius. So we will discuss these after the
3: I'm pretty sure that Carl told me that they uh, spent most of the time rubbishing your ideas, but there you go.
1: They just didn't appreciate it. Well, it's like well, they didn't appreciate your genius. This problem. <laughs> no, when, when you're ahead of the curve, you know, people, it takes time for people to catch up. It's you know, true. You can't be responsible for that.
3: why I me? Mean, <laughs> yeah. Blimey. See, just ask Nikolai Tesla about that.
1: <laughs> exactly. And uh, bearing in mind that Oktoberfest is there and the Hofbräuhaus, house, I can go, oh, do you know Oliver? <laughs> if I, yeah, I can just see myself being that drunk going up to someone who looks important. Do you know Oliver, which isn't a popular German name at all? <laughs> uh,
0: right, if you, if you if you meet the right person then they will say yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, what have we got next on the list here? Uh, Apple has it given up on underscreen fingerprint sensors. Well, nobody actually knew they were working on under uh, underscreen fingerprint sensors. No, because... well, this,
3: this, this one is actually uh, a report of a patent. Uh, it's another patent, but it, it's a patent to be able to scan your fingerprint through the screen by using um, an acoustic sensor rather than a, a, a fi- an actual physical touch sensor. So, uh, effect, uh, in effect, I guess a micro, uh, a micro sonar to measure your th- fingerprint.
1: But the um, but the thing is with that though, that's going to come at the expense of my most favourite feature on an iPhone, which is when if you go to the left hand side of the screen and you push down and use Force Touch, you can swipe between your applications. Well, that's
3: gone in eleven anyway.
1: Yeah, but that's I. Uh, but I'm hoping that they're going to replace it with something else because I can't be bothered doing a double tap on the phone all the time. I suppose it's not bad on the 7 because you haven't got like a clicky, clicky noise. But in work, uh, when I'm trying to get away with doing stuff on my phone, or even if I'm not even that, even if I have to interact with my phone to flip between an app, because i got my screen repaired with the world's cheapest <laughs> screen repair ever that knackered up the front camera. I just so much prefer just being able to click and hold on the left. Anyways, what else have we got here today? Uh, Apple to make more cat-like iPhones. Apple looks into ways to make its iOS and macOS devices more resistant to drop damage. Yep, stop covering them in Teflon. <laughs>
3: Next. They cover them with shark skin, which is apparently very, very grippy. There you go.
1: As Oliver, are you, are you a naked guy or uh, do you have a case?
0: I do have a case, yeah. I have a a very um, very flexible, uh, see-through case. Oh,
3: yeah, the sort of clear, that, clear TPU yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, blimey, we are rattling through the stories today. Apple will invest one point <laughs> three billion dollars to build a hundred percent green data energy center in Iowa, and one hundred million will go to local projects like parks and sport facilities. Fair place if this is actually going to happen. Uh, uh, I think. Th- I other... think
3: this is this is all. This is simply a news report, effectively. In fact, it comes from Apple dot com newsroom. Uh, that is Apple themselves, uh, they're investing $1.3 billion to build a 100% green energy-powered data centre in Iowa, uh, and they're then donating as well uh, $100 million to local development projects uh, around the area to build swimming pools and parks, and, well, basically to just help regenerate the, uh, the locale that they're siting the data centre in. So, you know, fair play, that's... Uh, and just to go back to the cat like iphone the the patent for that is uh, quite vague, but the idea is that to use the motion sensors and the gyroscope so that to detect if you have dropped your phone and it's in free fall, and to have inside it um, a mechanism which allows it to change its center of gravity to, uh, in a cat-like manner, cause it to fall on a less vulnerable part. So it, it, ideally, I guess, to make it fall on the back.
0: I, I wonder if you can already do that with the motion-inducer thingy. Uh, what's that called? The thing that makes it vibrate? All right, the
3: tactics, oh, yeah. He- and no, I think so, that yeah. would be quite hard, though, wouldn't it? Because it doesn't that doesn't generate very much. Did you, but
0: uh... Uh, did you see uh, when they when they uh, had the iPhones that you could uh, still put on one side and up upright? Yes, um, yes. There was this company yeah. had uh, an app that made, would make it rotate um, and take pictures. So it's like an auto panoramic yeah. thing just using the that vibration was, that was
3: brilliant that was the um i think it was for yeah. sort the of four wasn't it you could stand it on the on the base yes, yes. because it had that uh, square edge and then set it off yes. and it would take a panorama by running the tactic engine which would make it rotate which is brilliant that was oh uh, yeah that was a yep. very very I, clever probably utterly pointless but a brilliant piece of uh, <laughs> a brilliant piece of work
1: there was um oh i've just lost my thread now no it's gone and it's gonna bug me now because Cause it's one of those things where you try to remember and it will bug me till I remember it. Oh, blimey. Simon,
3: what's the next story? Uh, right, well, <laughs> well, the next... I mean, these are all fairly short stories, to be honest. Uh, there was a... Apple have won an award for their artificial intelligence research paper, uh, and they've won a top award for that. That came from Mac Rumours. The main reason that this is sort of, uh, probably important is because, of course, uh, until recently, Apple never published anything. And fairly recently, I think Tim Cook said that, you know, we're going to allow our research groups, our internal research groups, to, to publish to their peers. Um, and quite promptly, they have won a top award for a research paper on artificial intelligence. So the, I'm sure it's a very good paper, uh, probably way above my pay grade but the, the the most important part is simply that apple are now you know releasing some of their research as scientific papers to be peer reviewed by the by the community so uh, i think that's probably i think that's probably down to tim cook so you know that's a thumbs up to him but it, i think it's just a general indication of the way that apple are changing over time they're becoming a little less secretive and a little less inward looking um, I don't know or what you think about that. it could be a
1: great big conspiracy theory that they're sort of releasing these papers to try and ad- attract new academia types uh, to come and work
3: for well, them. Well, there's so that, that as well, one, I guess. Uh, there's that as well, because there has been... I have read articles where... There's a certain, there is a certain section of people in, you know, who do research, not necessarily AI, any sorts of research, uh, who say they wouldn't work for Apple because they wouldn't be allowed to uh, publish their their work to the scientific community for peer review, um, and thus effectively locking themselves out of academia. But uh, as I say, Apple have, have said that they're going to stop that practice, and so yes, I mean maybe there is for them. There's a there's an element of opening up um, a segment of the, of researchers that they didn't have access to before. So.
1: I'm still in a brain fart. I had a point to make, and you know when you're trying to remember what it was you were just about to say, I'm still mentally locked up about that at this moment. <laughs> um, this one, it, the next one is, I saw, this is one of the stories that I read, well, that came up on my news feed as I was walking around the office the other day and I thought, I must come back to this. Apple Secure Enclave has been hacked. Well, sort uh, of. Sort of. Oh, it's one of those things. Well, I, I do apologise for not having
3: read. Well, the I think Oliver probably knows about this, but the the Apple Secure Enclave firmware from a an, an iPhone 5s. Has been extract- extracted and decrypted. Now that is not has not broken into the secure enclave. It has not uh, unlocked the keys or done anything other than allow people who wish to to extract the firmware and look at how the outer workings, if you like, of the se- se- secure enclave uh, are performed. Now, obviously, that's you know it's still uh, not the best thing in the world. But if you want to think of of secure enclave as a bank vault which is behind a locked door what they've effectively, and then imagine the key to the locked door is in a cupboard which is covered by a curtain, what they've kind of managed to do is remove the curtain and open the box that shows them the key, no more than that to the first door, not not to the inner door, only to the outer door, so it's, it's not anything to get really frightened about um, maybe Apple were probably a bit miffed, but it was from a 5S, so uh, it's quite likely that in the next iPhone probably to be announced on the 12th that whatever whatever they've discovered I've, is probably been... I
1: remembered what it was now Go on in. i remembered um about the green energy thing yes just one of my thoughts about being in munich was just how the, well maybe it's a posh part of munich that i was in but there is a definite sense of because i think germany were way ahead of the game in terms of solar panels and uh, heating uh, what they called you know when you go to really hot places, and they have the tubes on the top of the roofs uh, to heat oh, water. Oh, well, yeah, the, the sort of
3: hot water panels. Yeah. You mean it's some sort of yeah. early yeah. solar panels where the, the the water goes through black boxes yeah. to heat up, rather than the photovoltaics. Yeah.
1: yeah. Am I right on that, Oliver, or am I just sort of looking through this through like the uh, Oktoberfest glasses?
0: <laughs> no, yeah, uh, you know Germany is um, for has for uh, for a while been on the forefront of uh, solar technology uh there was a big you know bust in the bubble um a couple of years ago um when um, you know the the federal funding the the um uh, yeah the subsidies we we had the similar su- subsidies here.
3: we had a similar thing here yeah
0: a lot of a lot of of those companies went bust but um you know uh, Germany being a fairly rich country um we a lot of people can afford to be uh, a little more, um, you know, envir- environmentally conscious, and um, things like you know, putting solar collectors on your rooftop is uh, become fairly common. And uh, in some cases, like yeah, uh, we have we, uh, uh, we recently moved our offices, but uh, the uh, former place where we stayed, um, there was a a big supermarket on the other other side of the road, and they had there. Flat flat roof area with uh, solar panels, and they they had like a a, a big display there that showed how many uh, you know kilowatts hour kilowatt hours they got out of the of the solar panels, and I think that uh, that being a um, a commercial operation, they 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 needed to have some sort of you know financial incentive to do that so i i guess it it's, it sort of works and you know um last year sometime there was a news um uh, report um uh, actually uh germany had for like an a, a period for a couple of uh hours maybe half an half a day or a day um covered all the electricity needs with renewable energy yeah. for that day. So um
3: Yeah I, I read that of... story. I think there were two I think it was two days, two consecutive days, yeah. I believe, that that mm-hmm. Germany's power usage was one hundred percent covered by its renewable energy. Feed, which is good, yeah, which that, is great. Yeah. And I've, yeah. I, I remember uh, maybe 20 years ago, I, I've always felt that Germany was ahead on the uh, environmental state because I remember maybe 20 years ago, maybe even more, uh, seeing an, a news report about recycling in Germany houses were being built with multiple rubbish chutes so glass there metal there paper there but <laughs> yeah. and- well, this
0: is this is fairly ridiculous in in in, uh, in Bavaria because when they put that in place they uh, really uh, had very um, uh, strong rules about you know which you know uh, to separate the different kinds of trash um, so you have like uh, you know four or five different sorts of plastic and 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 half half of the population spends their Saturdays um, bringing their their trash to collection stations and working there to uh, separate the trash. And then a big truck comes along and they throw it throw all, it all the back.
3: back throw Yeah, we back in here as well. And
0: carry it to the you know
3: I must admit where I live we have a we have a fairly simple system in that, you know, you've got non recyclables, they go in one bin. And then we have a recyclables bin which you're supposed to put in paper, cardboard, plastic, metal. I think that that,
0: makes a lot of sense, and that's
3: about it. And then that's. I
0: could I could get into that, but you know the way they implemented that in Bavaria, it's 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 ridiculous, and um, you know, such a waste of you know perfectly good productivity <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah there's just kind of there's a kind of balance to be struck isn't there between
0: yeah and, and also also i i, I think the, the amazing thing to me is how difficult it is to ro- roll backs um on on things like that you know uh, another good example is like the summertime Thing. you know nobody it's proven that it doesn't help anybody it's it's totally wacky and doesn't you know make sense anymore and and there's you know still there's no way to roll it back and uh, you know and that kind of the same thing is with with the with the trash uh, system here in uh, Bavaria where you know there's just no way to roll it back yeah. even if it doesn't make a there's lot no of way sense of,
3: yeah it's kind of we're stuck with mm. it now yeah I know I think we all feel that one. Right. Well, so there we go. Yeah, so the sec- uh, going jumping back forward the secure enclave processor firmware decryption is it, it's a lot less scary than the headline might lead you to believe, and
1: uh, what do you mean it's a link baity headline? Uh, well, some...
3: no, because it is strictly speaking, it's true. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, if you read the article, they explain it in more depth about what it actually means. And uh, as I say, it was apparently a 5S firmware, so it's quite likely that the workings of a newer iPhone are it doesn't apply anyway. But there we go. Um, this is one that intrigues me, and it's one that I know that gets talked about over and over, and that's, is the future of Apple a merged OS uh, from Macworld? Uh, well, what? it's funny you
1: should say that because if my computer stops doing the spinny beach ball at Mac Jim from uh, our Slack room. And by the way, if you want to get into our Slack room because the numbers are dwindling a little bit, although it is fairly active, just send a message to Simon or myself on the Twitter at Ocean Speed or at Serenac or at Essential Apple and we will invite you in. Unless there's a better and more easier way to invite people into the uh, Slack room. No, I don't I'm
3: afraid there's not. No, that's the, the way networks it's invitation only uh, unless you're in, all on the same domain so uh, basically we have to invite people that's just how it works
1: and unless this mac picks its idea up next week i might just have a podcast just telling you how much i want to sell this mac mini and who's going to make me an offer for it <laughs> oh two one terabyte hard drives i5 processor if you want to buy one and you're in the uk let me know uh, the reason i'm rambling is because i'm at a beach boy mac jim has sent a document into us via the slack room of iOS, ios 11 the future uh so mac jim thank you very much for that and we will put a link to that in the show notes because we're going to put that up on our website essentialapple.com. so Merged? Nah, I don't think so. Um, after using a Microsoft Surface for six months now, I'm not convinced that you can do that. You can't merge
3: uh, two things together. Well, I'm... I I'm, used... Sh- well, let me try and... Uh... Delineate this. I've always been uh, supportive of the way the iOS and macOS division has been. I, I think it made perfect sense at the launch of the the iPhone, and then you know the addition of the iPad for iOS to be different from the macOS. And when they talk about a merged OS at the moment, people I think are still thinking of kind of somehow jamming the two together and that's never going to work that is never going to work however in the longer term i do think there's a i think there's quite a lot to be said for a kind of gently scaling os where features you get a gradual overlap of features because there are some things that you're, you know, absolutely useless to your watch, and there are features that are on the watch which would be absolutely useless on a 27-inch iMac. However, you know the, the iPad is now getting more desktop-esque features. It's getting access to a dock. It's getting access to multi-app use it's getting access to a finder like uh, file structure and i think personally that over time the mac os and ios will constantly keep borrowing pieces from each other until they become effectively a seamless stream from one end to the other uh, i don't know what you think about that but I, I think in in time it's almost inevitable what do you think oliver
0: well um i've 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 always um assumed that eventually um, uh, Apple will just end up with one uh, operating system. Un, you know, unlike many other people, I think it has more. It looks more like uh, the iOS than it does the Mac. Like the Mac, but uh, I mean, you 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 said it. I mean, with iOS 11, we are certainly seeing a swing of iOS, at least on the iPad to um pendulum swing back to the good merits of 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 a, of a desktop operating system and as a matter of fact i was always a little um disappointed with the ipad you know first when it came out when, when it came out i was blown away by you know possibility but then, you know, it sort of failed to deliver on the promise. And and uh, iOS 11 is certainly you know looks like it's yeah. it's a step in the right I, direction. I think you're,
3: you're we're very yeah. much with you here, both Mark and I, I think, at, for at least a couple of years. I certainly for a couple of years have felt mm-hmm. that, I mean, again, yes, the launch of the iPad, it was fabulous. It was full of things and it had a lot of potential they developed it with the with the obviously as the hardware iterations went on and when we got to about iOS 6 maybe iOS 7 i think a lot of people started to think well this is all very well, but it's just a bigger version of the phone, you know, that still suffers
1: from that now. Yeah,
3: but this is where iOS, I think, I don't know how, and I don't know where, because for the last couple of years, it does feel a bit like Apple have lost their focus, and with, it might be that actually they were working away behind the scenes, developing technology, making sure it worked properly, and all those things, but it really feels with iOS 11, that they've kind of dived in and said right people are losing interest in the iPad why are they losing interest in the iPad because it's got far more potential than we're making of it I mean the classic example is that is the is the home screen it's got what how many apps does it hold on the home screen 16 20 on on an ipad and we can all see it's got room for twice that many and yes the the, the... yeah
1: so apple haven't really helped themselves with that have they by saying it yeah i think that was one of the biggest criticisms of the ipad was that when you click on the home screen it's basically just a bigger um bigger bigger phone i mean oliver i mean you i mean obviously aside from developing how if you had to give a percentage of uh consumption versus creation what would your ratio be
0: uh you mean on the ipad or generally <laughs> oh or... sorry
1: on the ipad yeah
0: um yeah so I, I i tried about i think i tried three times um when apple came out with a new version of the ipad or the ios um to um you know move my work over to the ipad from my laptop and uh every time after a couple of hours i went back and said you know this is not working. And um, Basically, the 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 main issue is that uh, if you want to build a um, you know like uh, you know furniture uh, a closet, let's say um, you. on the iPad, you need an app that is all the tools put into one, and that's kind of like it defeats the purpose of an of of a mobile app and an iPad app uh, or an app uh, specifically. So the lack of possibilities of those apps working together to achieve a goal. Um, is is kind of the thing yeah. that I think is the iPad is, um, you know, held back the iPad I, I the am, most and am, makes it totally unusable for creative purposes. I am
3: totally with you there, Oliver. Um, I don't have an iPad, but my wife has an iPad. And whenever I've tried to use it, even with a, a keyboard, you just find yourself frustrated. It doesn't support tab keys or it doesn't support this. You, oh, can't, yes, I, you can't. you can't swap. Back, you know, you can't swap backwards and forwards easily enough. Uh,
0: try to try to make an app. Um, you know, try to make a a, a website with with an iPad. Um, yeah. If you if you, if, I mean, um, you know, you have to you have to have an FTP client built into the JPEG app, or you wouldn't be able to you know edit a, an image and upload it to your web server. And um, that's kind of like totally stupid.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, there was, um, it's, there, I mean, this is again one of the frustrating things, which hopefully iOS leveling is going to get rid of, is that there are loads of services online where you can upload an image and it compresses it, it gets rid of all the gump in there. So you really can compress a JPEG image without losing quality, but it's such a faff. And the people say, oh, yeah, you can use workflow and do all that sort of stuff, which is fine. But then you've got to learn workflow and how that works. Or if you're lucky, you can find a script or an API plugin that'll do it for you. And then you've just got to hope that whoever sort of released it maintains it when all the things change. So, yes, in a way, I sort of see that there has to be some merging of features. uh, But if anything, the surface has told me, and I think you nailed it, Simon, actually, is that you've got to borrow selectively. The features.
0: Well, I, did did you guys have a chance to play with the studio with the Surface Studio? No, no. no. Uh, that, I think that's that's one of the things where, you know, when that came out, I think um, uh, uh, you know Phil Schiller, uh, he, he just uh, he, he just was shocked. Um, I mean, the thing is, I think that was the wake up call for Apple on the Mac side because that's like uh, you everybody would have expected Apple to come up with uh, a product like the that. Thing,
3: the thing with that at the time was everybody like me, like Mark, uh, and a lot of other people were totally wowed with the concept. Um, And if you look back in patents, Apple sort of had a concept like that, that they never followed up for a fold down flat, iMac. Unfortunately, I've said it before, all the reports I've heard about the studio in the real world is that Microsoft went and nerfed it by effectively powering it with a Mac Mini. So it's laggy and underpowered. And so it's a brilliant concept hobbled by poor execution.
0: Well, that's the sort of like the Microsoft story, is it?
3: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, good, good idea. Poorly put together. Right well I think that's pretty much all of them so I think overall we're all agreed that eventually we are going to see emerging even if it's not I mean I think eventually we're going to have what I would call a, a, a scalable OS uh, and that gradually pieces I mean at the minute you've got a mesh effectively because they're all running on the same kernel aren't they So one of the
0: interesting uh, interesting ideas I had in the last couple of years uh, is uh that uh, i would i would see a world where you know the ui runs on an ipad but the app runs on a mac and so it's, a, it's sort of like a hybrid yeah um because you need you need a, a big box with a lot of processing power a lot of graphics yeah. power I, and, I can very much but you, but you want to use it on on something that has touchscreen right so
3: <laughs> i i can very much see a kind of i can very much see a kind of transition period where we go from what we have now, which is kind of islands which are connected by bridges to uh, what you're suggesting there, an area where the, they're not just connected by bridges, they're actually working together uh, so that you, you can take your phone and plug it into a dock and use it on a, on a large screen or vice versa. You can call the processing power of your Mac to your ipad screen so that you can do you know heavy lifting i don't know 3d you know 3d development um that sort of thing where you want the power of the pen and the the touch screen and and all of that but you need the heavy lifting to come from somewhere else and and then i think eventually the whole thing is just going to become so ubiquitous that we won't even be aware of it that, that you know these things will no longer even be really se- they're all no longer really separate devices they'll all just be windows into the i don't know the central core
1: well there is something similar i've just sent a link to the chat room where parallels have released RAS, uh which is a remote access server where it basically somehow... So this is the text, and I'm going to shoot myself for saying this. Virtual application and desktop delivery can be complex and expensive unless you're one of thousands of businesses that uses parallel RAS to remotely deliver applications to desktops to their employees. It Basically, what it does is somehow... Um, let you access apps over the internet. Uh, unfortunately, you need if you want to get the full performance out of it, you do need to use Windows uh, Enterprise, which sucks because it's so blinking expensive. But it's uh, it's an intro. Um, it's it's one of the things I think I'm going to try this week, and I will report back next week to say what it's actually like to. So if I'm so, for example, if I'm out in the field and I've got my iPad with me, and I want to check on the status of something on my Mac to see how it actually works, um, isn't it?
2: Uh,
0: I, well, I've tried to use the um app, app parallel says, uh, says something uh, for the, uh, where you can um. Actually, run. Uh, you know, it it looks like you're running your Mac apps on your iPad.
1: Yes, that's the um, one.
0: And and I've used that, and it it works fairly well. So we have like a we had like a FileMaker database run on my iPad. That was one of the tools I tried to use when I w- tried to switch to the iPad. But it's it's still sort of like it runs in in a box uh and and you you can't get data out of it and and that's kind of where you know it's it's okay for enterprise applications where you have your employees uh log into your you know uh, warehouse and and look up you know stock and whatever and um and that that's kind of okay but if you're in video production, I think it all falls apart because, yeah. you know, it's the, the performance uh, doesn't scale uh, on the server. You need to edit video on a server with 10 people. You need 10 times the processing power. And that's uh, kind of a different yeah. proposition. So it's it's okay for business apps, but I don't think for creative apps, it's a lot of yeah. use. Uh,
3: and and the, I think the other thing Oliver nailed there is the fact that these things are still inside a box. The big, the big barrier, particularly on the iPad, and hopefully it will lessen with the, with the you know, iOS 11, but is the fact that getting something out of application A and putting it into application B is still way more difficult than it is on a desktop. It's getting better, and hopefully it will continue to get better, but that is the biggest barrier, I think, to, to shifting a lot of things onto the iPad. Or any tablet, it's, really? Yeah, it's gone better with iOS 11. Yes, it has. It
1: really has. Although, unfortunately, the iPad Air One is starting to show its age a little bit. Um, thankfully, my friend, he's got the iPad Air. I think they're going to let me stick iOS 11 on it, even though, oh, you know what's going to happen? I'll upgrade it for you, and then you'll be the personal technical support core person for the rest of Double your life. life. <laughs> Uh, But the good thing is, though, is that TeamViewer have uh, released an announcement that because you can have screen sharing baked into iOS 11, it should just be a case of, right, let me fire up TeamViewer and see what you're doing. Although, since the one day I got hacked with TeamViewer, I don't trust (laughs) it. Right. Uh, The story goes, Oliver, just to recap, is basically I had TeamViewer running on a, a laptop. And the screen was, it was in power saving mode. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the screen comes on. I'm going, well, that's odd. And then I turn over and I see my mouse moving. And I'm going, what the hell? So because I'd left TeamViewer on, basically the first thing they tried to do, and I thought, I'm going to see what they do here. and I want to know where they're going to go with this. First thing they did was try to go into my PayPal account and withdraw all the money from my PayPal account. And fortunately, I stopped it. TeamViewer have denied they were hacked. But I'd like to know why in my list I have about 500 desktops of friends,
3: in air quotes. <laughs> well, there you go. Security, security, security.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, one of, I mean, one of the things with uh, TeamViewer is that they you know they have this um nine digit code or had this nine digit code and then a four digit pin and i think that's not too many um you know combinations to try so if you um so if you have an application, you know have have a botnet or something like that and you figure out someone has teamview on their computer then um you know it shouldn't be too hard to figure out and brute
3: know, force yeah brute
0: brute force it so maybe that's what happened or you know <laughs> Someone stumbled upon it uh, by chance or whatever. I mean, there's not so many different combinations. I think they changed that. And uh, Yeah, I, you think, know,
3: I uh, think now you use, uh, I think how it works now is, well, unless you have it set up for uh, like remote access, like unattended remote access, you send a connect to the other computer. The remote, uh, the team viewer on that end generates a code which you, have to mm-hmm. enter so they're like, this like a handshake a but it's yeah. it's a it's, a, mechan- it's a, a manual handshake in that it will generate a like a nine uh, nine or 16 digit code which you copy and then paste back in mm-hmm. um so that it that would be a hell of a lot harder to because it effectively it's a nine or 16 digit code is sent in one direction and then a new one is generated and you have to manually put that back in to initiate a session.
1: It was just more the fact that I did have a password on there and someone managed to get in and start being a bit uh, notorious with my Mac. Uh, so basically, I'm hoping that screen sharing works. I didn't if they get replay kit, which obviously Mimo's going to have, uh, yeah, it will be, um, it'll be interesting, should yep. we
3: say. Right, well... T- Time is pressing on, isn't it? Yes.
1: There was a story that, or oh, what was the one that you wanted to talk about, Oliver, to give you the last word on the show? I honestly can't remember because my mind went when I forgot to talk about the German efficiency roof thingy. <laughs> I suddenly realised that my bottle of beer that I'm having from my Sunday podcast uh, is a honking great big 7.2%, which is probably why I'm going, oh, right, um, ooh, look over there.
3: Well, uh, uh... go on in, Oliver, you pick one.
0: No, I think I think we covered everything uh, relating to Boeing software, at least. Uh, you know, Mimo Life, Mimo Life reporter, and for the magical, so I'm good on that.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to be tapping you up after the show for a license, so I can go and review it, so just to get that <laughs> one out there. I'm just... <laughs> By the way, anyone listening, this has not been, you know, we've asked Oliver to come on as a guest. It's not been a paid product placement or anything like that at all. It's all it is, is basically the the whole point of this show is to get out there to connect to people and just hear about the passion behind, you know, the products. And yes, we've mentioned the the products, but why shouldn't we? Because they're a great set of products. And it's always been the ethos of doing any blogging that I do is that if something's crap, I'll say it's crap. Uh, Unlike all the Microsoft Surface reviews keep telling you that it's good but i don't want to keep banging on about that
3: <laughs> i was going to just say we have a story here i really want to mention this because it's, it's really quite fascinating and that is that the chinese dis- uh, scientists have discovered a way to create powerful supercapacitors, power- apparently even better than graphene uh, which they're making from dried fallen leaves of the phoenix tree from and the phoenix tree it's the that, phoenix that, that. tree Yes, and uh, apparently this is a very common tree in parts of China, um, and they've discovered that these particular leaves, when dried, and then burned and treated in a certain way, produce uh, little tiny carbon spheres, which are not just carbon spheres, but they are full of tiny little pits. And apparently this allows them to make fantastic supercapacitors. So there you go. That's a uh, There will be a link, I will put the link in, but that just fascinated me. Uh, a, how on earth did they come about the idea to do it and b of course if it uh if it proves to be a workable thing uh, how how green is that how much you know that's better than gallium and and unobtainium and all the other horrible nastiness isn't it we'll just make it from a load of tree leaves
1: it, if it can come off that will be absolutely amazing
3: we've done quite a lot there were more stories but we could go on all night at this rate and uh Poor old Oliver. I'm sure he'd like to go and open his own beer. To I be have honest, have a beer. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. he's
1: gonna need it. Like all these crazy English people.
0: Oh, that's no.
1: Well, Oliver, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. If you ever want to come on in the future, if you've got a product announcement, or if you just want to help us kill the bit of silence in the airwaves, you are always more than welcome. So, do you just want to give one final plug for yourself, your website, and if people want to get in contact with you to find out more, how can they do that, good sir?
0: Well, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for having me on and it's an absolute pleasure and it was a blast for me to to join you tonight. And yeah, if people want to know more about Boeing software, our website is boinx.com and there's basically all the information there. Um, if you want to connect, there's a forum there that you're always welcome to uh, uh, post your comments and questions about our products. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, o breidenbach o b r e i d n b a c h and i think you guys would put that into the show notes and i yeah. I would be happy to come back um anytime
1: fantastic thank you very much because um I think I want to do a special on how to get uh, how to get started doing live streaming on your Mac because there's so so many windows based tutorials but no one's really delved into it in the Mac so we might actually do a bit of a special where we're just going to go through the basics and what makes for good content and what doesn't we should actually it- do
0: a live stream
1: <laughs> yes uh well, I look around my office when I've got everything cleared away. We will, we will definitely do that. In <laughs> fact, we'll have a chat after we've gone off there. Thank you ever so much for coming on. It's
3: very, very much appreciated, Simon.
1: If they want to get a hold of you, how can, where can they
3: find you? Well, of course, I am on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S E R E N A K.
1: Thank you very much. And of course, you can reach me at Essential Apple if you want to follow the website to know when the next podcast is going up in the general ramblings that we have. Uh, You want to follow me for whatever reason. I'm at Ocean Speed. And thank you to everyone who's been following me recently. I don't know why, but it's very much appreciated. And of course, you've got the website EssentialApple.com. And if you've got any comments, questions, feedback, or if you'd like to ask the presenters a question, head over to Google Plus or Facebook and ask a question. and we'll. our very best to edit it and of course thank you to everyone in our much beloved Slack room who contributes stories sorry we haven't got around to all of them I have read them even though I haven't been posting, I do keep a look out for them and especially thank you to Aunt Matt Jim who's done a lovely uh, sorry, lovely. that's really condescending, he's done a cracking little article called iOS 11 the future which is going to be on the website this week uh, I've had a quick speed read of it and yeah I think it covers a lot of what we said here as well and of course this show would not be Possible, and I really mean this without all of you who use our Amazon affiliate link and our Patreon people. I am promise you, I keep saying this I'm working on exclusive Patreon content, so you get to see it first before anyone else. It's very, very much appreciated. And of course, anytime you click on an Amazon affiliate link, we get a very small kickback. And of course, everything from the Patreon as well goes directly into funding and running this mockery of a podcast. So I just want to say thank you very much. So that's it. Again, Oliver, thank you for coming on and we will see you next time. Cheerio, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.
3: We are part of the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan Show, the Three Geeky Ladies, the Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, the Club Nintendo and many, many more.
1: Ah, right. Time for more beer.
0: Yeah.
3: Always time for
0: more. Yes, always time for more beer. <laughs>